my birthday cards and well wishes and candy and cakes, cupcakes. And I just want to remind you, it's still not too late to give me something either. Some of you may have forgot about it. You know, I just say So Terry sent me a picture of a cake on fire. <clears throat> Margot told me she saw the fire department coming toward my house. Want to know if it was because of the candles. Thank you, Margot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm thankful to be here. Two years ago, uh, this particular time, about two years ago, a lot of my family came. Jenny invited them to come for my birthday because the doctors had told me that that would probably be my last birthday. And little did they know, they're not near as smart as they think they are, are they? Uh, but uh, I told them then, I said, well, you're not the final say-so. God is, isn't he? Uh, we have a junior church or children's church? Are we? No? Uh, yes? Yes? Young people can leave, adults, you can't. You stay here. But little did they know, the good Lord did a work in my life, and my, I appreciate Him so much. Uh, but, you know, really, in reality, we never know what day, when. Life is like a vapor, here and today and gone. Um... People make plans all the time, but if I could encourage you to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that is the most important thing in life. We can plan for retirement and hope for it and save for it and all of that stuff, but plan for eternity first, and then the rest of it will take care of itself. Luke chapter 24. <clears throat> I'm not sure how this is going to go. Woke up early this morning. God was trying to put it all together in my mind. And sometimes he has a difficult time doing that. Not much to work with. But um, sometimes I have a hard time figuring out what God wants, but uh, now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. It came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid, 
bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? Wow, what a statement. Could preach on that one for a little while. Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and other women that were with them which told these things unto the apostles. <clears throat> and their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran into the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. He is not here, but is risen. What a wonderful statement, what a glorious statement, what an impact that statement had on people in that day, but what an impact that statement has had on people in our day as well. And even though we see within society, and I know that I'm preaching to the choir here because you're here this morning, but within society we see the falling away from the truth. We see people leaving the church. In fact, just this week we saw on one of the news agencies on television that for the first time in America, church membership has dropped below 50%. In fact, 47% was what they gave. Gallup did a poll asking people what their connection to the church was, and the largest group were old people you know, 70 and up, I'm not there yet. Amen. Yeah, you'll get there. Uh, but the older people were the larger group. Those people that grew up in church and was committed to church and, and had ties to church and, and belonged to church and felt it very important. And so... A lot of people today within Generation X and, and the Millennials, uh, the group is very, very small. And they're leaving the church. They're not seeing it important as it was. The statement and the whole idea of Easter doesn't mean a whole lot to some people today. It means a lot to us. We're here. It means a lot to most of us of 
what it, what it means and represents. Now, and we know that today is not the day that Jesus rose from the grave. It was on the first day of the week. It wasn't on this particular day, April the 4th. But it, he did raise from the grave. It's not important when he did it. It's he did it. It's not important what day uh, he may have done it. But on the first day of the week, Sunday being the first day of the week, that it was early that morning that Jesus rose from the grave. And I've said before, and I'll say it again, that the stone wasn't rolled away so he could get out. The stone was rolled away so that we could look in to an empty tomb. Because if you'd go anywhere else to any other spiritual leader that they've entombed in a cave or in a grave or in a uh, in a mausoleum or anywhere else, if you remove the cap off of that, there would still be remnants of that individual there, but not in glory. I'm about to get happy. Not in the tomb of Jesus Christ. Amen. Not there. And I could preach for a long time on different things, but I'm trying to get to the point of which God has put me in, in this position this morning that, that we, t we find the grave clothes were folded up. And you all know this story. I think I told it last Easter. But, but that when you're eating in a fine establishment like McDonald's or somewhere, <laughs> but when you're eating in a nice restaurant somewhere and etiquette is, and I never was much, I wiped my mouth on my sleeve lots of times, you know. <laughs> no, don't do that. But, uh, but etiquette is that when, if you're going to leave the table and not come back, you just throw your napkin down. But if you're going to come back, you fold it up. Mm. There was something about that. Jesus folded his napkin. Because he told us, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I just needed this for a little while, but I'm coming back. And he promised us that. And, and so as when he raises, and, it's, and I'm not, my message is not the disbelief of the disciples that morning and their bewilderment and, and not remembering what Jesus said uh, before, not what he, just hours before he was telling them, just days before he was telling them uh, that he was going to raise a day, from the dead, he was going to come back to life, uh, he'd be back, he told him to go to Jerusalem, wait on him there, and he'd be there. Uh, he, that's not my message this morning, but, but that the disbelief that they had, but that they were uh, tore up about the situation. It moved them. There were things that were uh, that were terribly wrong in their life at that particular time. I could go into their their disbelief and all, but when, after Jesus raises from the grave, uh, he's out wandering around, and there are two men that that are walking on the road to Emmaus. And it, you can read it here later on. It follows these verses. And, and they're walking on this road to Emmaus. And they're, they're down and out. They're, they're, 
they're just discouraged, they're hurt that the Jesus, the King, uh, he's gone, their Messiah is gone, that he died, that he was buried, and now they can't find his body, and they're walking on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus walks up along beside of them on the road to Emmaus, and he starts walking with them, and, and he's saying, fellas, what's the matter? Now, I preach out of two versions, King James and Fudge Creek, and I'm getting into Fudge Creek right now. That, and he walks up beside of them, and he says, fellas, what's the matter? And they said, haven't you heard? Where you been? And they didn't know who he was. So, and they're walking along and said, well, what do you mean? Tell me about it. And they start telling Jesus about Jesus. <laughs> they, they start talking to him about him. And so he, he's walking along, and they're talking a little bit, and, and Jesus starts talking to them. And a little while later, uh, they're in the upper room, or they're in another place. And, and they say, Jesus rose from the grave. He's gone. I've seen him. And the two guys look at each other and say, did not our hearts burn within us while he walked with us on the way? Oh, listen to me this morning, church. We need our hearts to burn in us when Jesus talks to us and speaks to us through the Word of God. We need a rededication. I'm about to preach here in a minute. We need a rededication to the Word of God that when we read the Word of God, that the Word of God will burn in our hearts and that we'll feel that burning in our hearts. Oh, that we need people that, that will love God and love Jesus so much that whenever we hear the Word of God preached, whenever we, uh, we listen to the Word of God preached or taught, that the Word of God will burn in our hearts and move us. We may not understand it all at that particular time. We may not understand what's going on, but to have the Spirit of God burn in us that the Spirit would move us and, and do something in our lives that would motivate us. I was excited earlier in the week. Jenny and I went down to, to see some friends of ours preaching and singing down in Bristol. And we went in, and the church was nearly identical to this one. Looked the same, just about the same. It was, it was the pulpit, the table, the choir loft, I mean the walls, the windows were a little different. They had smaller stained glass windows. The lights were identical. Uh, they, uh, the, everything looked similar to, but what was going on was that when the, when the pr singers got up to start singing, the Spirit of God burned in the heart of the people that people started coming to the altar and getting right with God and weeping and praying about things and, and crying uh, about something that the Spirit of God began to burn and, and began to work in people's hearts. And the altar was lined uh, most of the time during the singing service, people getting up and, and going back to their seats and others would come up People were rededicating their life to the Lord. You say, preacher, that's nonsense. I wish we had some of that kind of nonsense. I wish the Spirit of God would move in our hearts. I wish the Spirit of God would burn in our hearts where it move us and, and motivate us and do something in our life. Did not our hearts burn within us while he walked with us on the way 
that we need when we see church membership falling off and we see people not coming to church and we see people not getting involved in church and we see people not getting saved and we see people not getting uh, rededicating their lives to the Lord. We need the Spirit of God to burn in us something new and something fresh. We need the Spirit of God to move us that if this day if the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the new life in Christ and what he has done for us and all that he has given to us, if it doesn't do something to our hearts, we're cold and indifferent, we're wet, and we need to get dried up. We need, to, we need the rustling of the leaves. We need the movement of the Spirit of God to take place in our lives and in our hearts. And I'm not talking about just running up and down the aisles or shouting and rejoicing or whatever else, but I'm saying that the Spirit of God would move us to a higher level in our lives to remember, to think about. We used to sing a song years ago, I remember the day that the Lord saved me. Do we remember that day? And does it do anything to us? I remember the day. Do you remember that they'd say, it was on a Monday somebody touched me. It was on a Tuesday somebody touched me. You remember that song? And they'd go through every day of the week, and they'd get to the point that if you couldn't remember the day, but you remember that it took place. In fact, if you've ever been saved, you'll never forget that moment in your life. If I talked to a fellow one time. It was a deacon, by the way. I never did like deacons very well, but, you know, no, I'm just kidding. I love mine here. I love, but uh, they, and probably deacons didn't like me very well either. I don't know. Uh, but no, I'm just kidding you about deacons. But this guy happened to be a deacon. And, and, and I think I did this when I came to this church as well. We were sitting in a group, and I said, tell me about your conversion. Tell me about when you got saved. Did I do that, Robert? I think I did. Were you there? See what kind of an impression that left on you? <laughs> but... But I, I normally do that everywhere I go. When I first meet the deacon boy, I said, tell me about your conversion. Tell me about what happened when you first got saved. And, well, we'd have church right there in a deacon's meeting. And, you know, that's amazing to have church in a deacon's meeting. You know, but, uh, but we would. We'd have church right there. And in one, one church I was in, the deacon told me, said, um, I don't ever remember a time that I was ever saved. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, I don't ever remember a time. I don't re I just, I grew up in church. I don't remember a time that I ever prayed and asked God to save me. Or I don't remember a time that I ever professed Christ as my Savior. I just took it for granted that I was saved. And so I didn't say anything to him in that meeting. Well, we talked a little more. But after we got out of that meeting, I started approaching him on the level of, I don't believe he'd ever been saved. 
Because listen to me, if you've ever been saved, you're not going to forget the time that you were saved. Now, you may wonder about it every now and then, but you're not going to forget the time that you were saved. You're not going to forget that moment because when Jesus Christ comes into a heart and cleans that life up and does something. In fact, I remember my brother-in-law Brad, when he was first saved uh, at, in our church at home in Ona, West Virginia, and during a revival meeting. You remember that, Brad? You were there, weren't you? But I... I remember when he, when he got up from the altar, he said, I have never felt such a power as this. You remember that, Brad? I, did, I figured he would remember it because you won't forget stuff like that. I know people that have said, I've washed with all kinds of soap and I've never felt as clean as I feel now. What I'm trying to say is, is when you get saved, you'll know you got saved. Now, things might have dirtied up after a little while. Uh, your feet might got dirty walking through this world and walking through this life, but you'll always look back at that moment, that very moment that Christ came into your heart and saved you and forgave you. Your heart burned within you when the Spirit of God moved on you and convicted you of sin and drew you to Jesus Christ, you remember the day. Amen? Amen. You remember that. All of you remember that. That we remember that time. We remember that moment in our life. We remember that. In fact, there were three men on crosses just a few days before the tomb was empty. One reviled Jesus and said, If you be the Christ, save yourself and save us. If you're, the, if you're really the Messiah of God, if you're really the Christ of God, then get down off of the cross and save us too. If you're really that powerful, get down off the cross and save us. And, and Jesus in the middle, and they're the other two on either side. And the one over on the other side said, Hush, this man has done nothing to deserve what he's getting right now. This man has done nothing to deserve being on the cross. You and I have done something to deserve it. And may I stop here and say, I've done something to deserve dying for my own sin." But they, he said, this man has done nothing. But what he did, not, he did realize even at that moment was, was that this man was not dying for his sin. He was dying for our sin. And so you had three men on crosses. One was dying in sin. One was dying for sin. And then the other one was dying from sin. Because after he said that to the other male factor, the other thief, the other murderer, whoever he was, he looked at Jesus and said, Would, would you remember me? 
would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Can I put Fudge Creek in here now? Jesus said, I'll not only remember you, you'll be with me. I'll not even think about you while I'm in my kingdom, but you're going to be with me. Today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. Not only will I remember, and what a wonderful, wonderful approach the sinner made. Lord, just remember me. I'm not worthy to be saved. I'm not worthy to come into your presence. I'm not worthy to go along with you if you just remember me. And these folks were asking, do you not remember what Jesus told you? Do you not remember what Jesus said to you? Jesus told that man on the cross, I'm not just going to remember you. I'm taking you with me. Mm. Jesus is not in heaven just thinking about us. We're going with him one of these days. We're going with him one of these days. Because of what he did on the cross. Because of what he did in the tomb. Because of what he did while he was in the tomb. But when he rose from the grave. I've said before. I'll say it again. They didn't kill him on the cross. He said, I lay my life down. In fact, let me put it this way. They could not kill him because there was no death in him because there was no sin in him. He did not become a sinner. He bore our sin. He did not become a sinner. God cannot become a sinner. He bore our sin on his own body. He did not become a sinner for us that he could not die because there was no death in him. And if he hadn't gave up the ghost, he'd still be hanging there. And to think about this, that all he had to do was to call 10,000 angels or to call uh, heavens uh, into heaven's portal. All he had to do was react. And, I'm, and I, I just imagine, I don't know this for a fact, but I imagine all of heaven was ready uh, to come and get him. All of heaven was ready to minister to him. All of heaven was ready. But willfully and readily he went to the cross of Calvary. Died for our sins. Why? Because he thought my life is over? No. He knew that his life was not over. Uh, he knew that he would live again. He knew that he was going to raise from the grave. He knew that he was going to give life. And because he lives today, I live also. I will die one of these days. This body will be put 
in a casket somewhere. Uh, this body might, uh, Jenny and I have talked, Jenny told me the other day, she said, just take me down to the farm down in Tennessee and let the bugs have me. Uh, because she knew that one of these days we're going to have a new body. One, that This glory to God, one of these days that you see, this body's going to die. This body's going to lay in a casket. But me, I'm not going to die. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. How do I know that? Because he lives. How do I know? How am I so sure about that? Because he lives. And he lives in my heart. He lives in my life. I feel him every day. I experience him every day. He's alive today. He's alive and well today. God is not dead. Glory to his name. He's alive forevermore. Nobody can take his life. Nobody can kill him. Nobody's greater than him. Glory, I'm about to get happy. There's nothing in this world. I know Jesus lives. And oh, I wish that everybody could know that. I wish that everybody could experience that life. I wish that everybody could feel what I feel. I wish if you only knew what he's done for me. If you only knew where he's brought me from. If you only knew because of this life of Jesus Christ and what he can do for all of us and what he has done for all of us, every one of you. And some of you are sitting there saying, Preacher, if you only knew what he'd done for me. Mm -hmm. You remember? You remember what he's done? He's forgave us of our sins. I want to go into communion because I want to comment a little bit about the communion table before I quit. Has everybody got a communion cup? No? Deacon, will you go get some? We're going to make sure all of you have it. Do you remember? Anybody up in the balcony need one? Jason's up there with them. Robert's getting the cups to bring in here. Who who needs one here? Who else over here on this side needs one? Danny, right there. Right there's a couple. Skip, you need one? Polly need one? Skip and Paula need one over here. Who on this side needs one? 
Anybody else over here on this side, on the right, on my right? Anybody else? Okay. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I want to go to Paul's description of what he said, I have received of the Lord. And I like to read it after I get done, we'll take of the Lord's Supper. Verse 24, And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthingly shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. There's a couple of things I want to point out before we participate. In verse 24, I see that it's a table of remembrance. To remember. To remember... Jesus. To me, it's a time of remembering what He has done for all of us, but what He has done for me. Jason and I have been talking, and I talk about Fudge Creek a lot because that's where I was raised, Patty, and uh, there's, I have a lot of stories. In fact, I've been writing a book for quite a while now. Probably finish it in heaven when I get there. But Jason wants me to do a podcast and recommended that I name it Stories from Fudge Creek or using the word Fudge Creek in it. And... I'd have to put a lot in it, but uh, there's a lot of stories to tell, as much as you all have stories as well. But to remember, I remember the Lord saving me on a Thursday night in a Good News Club meeting. I, I remember that. I remember the difference that he made in my life. And I have never been the same since. Never been perfect, but never been the same since. I remember learning at a very early age about prayer, and that he cared for me, that he would help me, that he would take care of me, I 
just I think I've shared this but I mean it if if you've been through what I've been through you know how I feel if I've been through what you've been through I know how you feel but Patty and I have had a rough life we we've had a rough life with our dad but but I remember that through it all Jesus was there with me. Now he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And he asks us when we come to this table to remember. Remember him. And when I think about that, my heart burns within me. When I think about what God's done for me, and where he's brought me from, and where he has put me, I'm in Clintwood, Virginia. When I tell people that, they'll say, where? Where is Clintwood, Virginia? But I right here. I'm in Clintwood, Virginia at Clintwood Baptist Church with you folks. I couldn't be around a better crowd. Well, I was thinking of a couple of people. It was exceptions, but, but to remember. And then also, there's a table of obedience in verse 25. This do ye as oft as you drink it. You see, it's, it's a table of obedience. A table of remembrance, a table of obedience. To do it. And when you do it, do it in remembrance. When you're drinking the juice. In verse 25, that table of obedience. When you're drinking the juice, remember me. He shed his blood on the cross of Calvary to wash away. This, this, get this, not just cover, but wash away every sin. May not mean much to you, but I'm a sinner. And Jesus' blood washed away every sin. Every sin. Not just covered it, the bulls and the lambs and the goats and the doves, that was a covering for sin, but Jesus' blood washed it away. I'm clean this morning. I stand before God justified this morning. I, I'm as sure for heaven as if I was already there. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And nothing, nothing, because I have been washed in the blood. There's a table of obedience to remember, to do it, but to remember what Jesus did. Then in verse 26, there's a table of testimony an expectation. He said, you do show the Lord's death 
till he come. I am testifying to you that Jesus died for my sins and he's coming back one day to get me. I'm giving you a testimony this morning that my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. You see, I'm testifying this morning. He's mine, and I'm his. Mm, somebody ought to wave a hanky. He's mine, and I'm his. He's mine, and I'm his. Amen. Then there's also, verse 27 and 28, this table of examination. Just for a moment in our lives, to examine our lives, he says, to judge ourselves that we would not be judged, to not take it wrongfully, to not take it lightly, to not enter into communion and into this. To me, this is serious stuff because you're given a testimony to all around you and not to enter into it lightly, to examine yourself. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. I know Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. I am testifying to that fact. And examining myself, you might say, I'm not worthy. And you're exactly right. You're not. I'm not. But He makes me worthy. He makes me fit to come to His table. To examine ourselves and to be thankful that it's all because of Him. If you'll rip off the top film and take the cracker. And after He had given thanks, he broke it. Robert, would you stand and give thanks over the bread? He broke it and said, this is my body. Take eat. Thank you, Lord. Knowing this last part, would all of you stand with me? If you'll rip the other part off to the juice. Jeff Newberry, would you ask the blessing on the juice?
Amen. He said, take this cup. It's the New Testament of my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Drink ye all of it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Norman, would you come give us a song?